Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In the UK... 60,000 people have reported coronavirus symptoms that last for more than three months. And it's not just breathlessness, dry cough and fever, but more unexpected symptoms like skin rash, red toe, brain fog and nausea. Many, particularly young people, are suffering from the debilitating long-term effects for months after being infected with COVID-19. Today, we find out what that's really like. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana, but I'm handing over to one of our producers, Asif Fuchs, for this episode. Today, what is long-tail COVID? It was, I think, late spring, early summer. I was so grateful for the warmth because the days are getting longer. And after having taken my sort of swab COVID test and it was negative, I felt relaxed despite the symptoms to go to the park with my friend, socially distanced. I met Monique Jackson a few years ago at a Thai boxing gym. We used to beat each other up for fun. We don't do that anymore. And one of the reasons is Monique got COVID-19 back in March. She still hasn't recovered. My breathing had improved so that I could sort of walk to London Fields. And we'd sort of sat and found a spot and kind of forgot how everyone else in the area goes to the park because it's one of the, you know, small bits of green that you have in quite a city area of Hackney. And that's why I think I sort of underestimated how a little child can sort of run out of nowhere. Monique is an artist and she's been chronicling her experience of long-tail COVID in an Instagram comic called Corona Diary. I asked her to tell me about one of the drawings. The drawing is of a really young child running towards me behind my back. So when I turned around, the child was running and I think my instinct kicked in and I said stop because even though I knew 
I'd had the results that I was negative. There were things that I kept hearing about how this illness was breaking the rule books and I was still feeling symptoms. And then in the drawing, the mum in the background saying, darling, obviously was upset that I would not welcome her child. The reason I've depicted it is because it's kind of this situation which never would have happened had it not been for a pandemic. Um, I like children. <laughs> There's no reason for me to shoo them away. Monique tries to talk to the mom. She tries to explain she's recovering. And she says that she thinks that sick people should stay inside, which made me reflect on what I'm supposed to do and how most people feel about people who are ill from COVID. I remember texting with you maybe in, in May, you know, and I had heard that you were ill, but I didn't know to what extent. And I was like, well, I'll see you, you know, see you back at the gym when it reopens. And I just remember your response was like, I don't think, you know, I don't really see that for me. And that's sort of when it hit me when I was like, okay, this is something different. This is serious. When for you did you realize that this wasn't going away? The second week? I think it's the nights when I remember having these very light sleeps and I would wake up gasping like a fish for air and there'd be extremely long nights of just waiting till sunrise would come up. I thought to myself, how, how am I going to sleep if I'm waking up and I can't breathe? When I've been thinking about that, I knew that this is a different situation. I told myself two weeks initially, and this was, I guess, inspired by that film Castaway when he strikes <laughs> the Roman characters on a rock to work out what day it is. I related to that sense of being cast away in my room and thought, well, let's just, look forward to each day, look forward to just getting past this till it's behind me. I finished the first post-it, which was two weeks, and then realised I needed to draft another one. And then I kept doing this for three months. And then it was after that three months that I stopped. Before getting COVID, Monique had never called 999. She'd never gone to A&E as a patient. Since March, She's been five times. All of a sudden, she's had to navigate an emergency healthcare system in the middle of a pandemic. I'm pretty ignorant of the healthcare system. It was spooky going into A&E the first time and no one was there because growing up in London, you just know that that's a consistently busy place. So it was like a ghost town. It was really weird and I thought I'd be given... I don't know what, a piece of paper and a pencil to write some info on. <laughs> obviously, that's not how, that, how it works. And I know that they obviously continue to put my information onto, I guess, a medical record of some kind in the hospital, which then would get sent to my GP. But it made me wonder afterwards about how information such as mine, whether my record would be taken, whether... The statistics, which I heard were being announced daily about deaths, but I was wondering, what about people who are getting it and don't get a test? How are their numbers being taken? 
Monique was worried that people like her, those who weren't admitted to the ICU, those who weren't tested, and there were thousands of them, were going undetected and unreported, that there was no magical database. But there was an app, the Zoe COVID Symptom Tracker. It was a a robotic friend that was quite happy to ask you how you were every day and allow you to answer and feel that you weren't alone. The app was Tim Spector's idea. He's a professor of genetic epidemiology at King's College London. In mid-March, he realized the tools and technology he'd been using in his research into twin health could be turned into a really powerful COVID symptom tracking app. The way it works is participants regularly report on their health and symptoms and whether they've tested positive for the virus or not. That data is then anonymized and used for research all over the country and the world. Crucially, the app has this expansive capacity to clock a really wide range of symptoms. Initially, many people with these other symptoms were told they were, you know, didn't have COVID, stop worrying about it, just go back to your family or in... Sadly, some cases go back to the hospital or the care home and, uh, you know, don't use up valuable NHS resources. So by knowing there are other people in the same boat and that were a much wider range of symptoms, you know, people felt very much better and it gave them a little lifeline through the worst times. The app became incredibly popular and it's now had more than four million downloads. Monique was one of the early adopters. So friends of mine messaged me and said, Mon, there's this app that is researching symptoms. You should upload your information. So I thought, brilliant. So I downloaded it straight away. It was really well designed, actually, and quite easy to go into. And then I kept accessing this app because... The symptoms just never really stopped. Some symptoms sort of eventually left, but then others remained or became intermittent. So I would keep returning to the app and I noticed that they kept changing it. And I thought, that's really interesting. They're clearly learning and amending the questions. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Tim was surprised by how quickly the app took off. He said it was like having a 100-to-1 racehorse win the Grand National, but he knew they were onto something. I think, yeah, the moment really was in that first 48 hours when the number of people trying to access it crashed our system and the engineers had to sort of stay up all night trying to get extra storage space, etc. Within a week, we had about 2 million people and we were all already in real time getting results that no one else in the country could get about what was actually happening in the population as opposed to just in the hospitals. And we suddenly realised we had an amazing tool and a group of people in the country that had really warmed to us and that were hugely supportive. So, Monique, what was your relationship to the outside world like in those first few months? The first chapter of time was withdrawal. And that is a physiological process, I suppose, that happens naturally being extremely ill. I think the feverish symptoms 
for me made me disinterested in leaving my bed. So I was just watching light entertainment. There was no social media. I, I deleted the apps. I deleted news, even though I was a news obsessive. I was, for the first month, completely disinterested from going outside the house. I felt a fear of myself being contagious. And I wanted no one that I cared about to be anywhere near me. I didn't want to think about the fact that how obviously desperately I wanted to see people. Those first few weeks, Monique's friends were dropping off groceries and medicine at her door. Sometimes, though, she'd sit at her living room table two meters away from a closed window. And friends would stand out on the street peering in. They'd talk on the phone, looking at each other, through the glass. Even though I knew that I could go up to the window, I didn't want to stand too close because I didn't want to risk any possible transmission of the illness to them. So I would sit back and then they would come up and it felt sort of wow. like a prison meeting, to which I was very grateful. It still elated me to see people through the window and I was so grateful too that they could come um, and that I knew people locally. Professor Spector, a, a few months ago, you said in an interview, you know, you'd studied hundreds of diseases and this was the most unusual. What is so strange about COVID-19? Yeah, so it's still the weirdest disease I've ever come across in my 30 years in medicine. And as a rheumatologist, I've dealt with many rare autoimmune diseases. And it was probably the, the range of presentations that was the strangest thing going on. So it was the fact that uh, one person would be exposed to the virus, have no symptoms, another one mild symptoms that last just a few days, and someone else would have severe ones, and they could either be in the chest, or they might be in the gut, or they might be in the nervous system. With the fact that it also comes and goes, and you have people reporting several weeks where they start to feel well again and then get a relapse, you know, it, it, it's a, a disease that we haven't come across in our medical lifetimes. Some physicians in the past might have said this is a, a bit like syphilis in that it can come back in many forms, but it, it presents very differently. And is perhaps a cross between some infectious disease like dengue fever and an, an immune disease like uh, systemic lupus. And of course, it's only six months old, so we don't have hundreds of years of literature to fall upon. We have to often make guesses before the, everything is concrete. And Monique, as the months went by, your symptoms changed. And in the comic, you describe a, a series of doctors who would say, you know, you have weird and wonderful symptoms. What were some of these other, other symptoms that, that you began to show? A suspected UTI and sensitivity in the front abdomen part, which is where I believe the bladder is. And then also a pain around the back. And then there was gastro pain, which has similar symptoms to acid reflux. It was this burn like down my throat all the way to my guts, I suppose, when I was eating. And that took quite a long time to heal from. And then the sort of weird and wonderful, as the doctors quote, symptoms include, uh, I had a skin rash on the top of my foot. Don't know if that's related, but I have seen it on the COVID tracker app as other people get things like that. 
dry eyes, chest pain on the left side, palpitations, feeling of bruising all over my torso and the ribs. right side of my face felt like it dropped in the night. I looked in the mirror and I looked symmetrical and I was able to move my face as I would normally, but it felt really tight. That sort of nerve sensation spread to my hands, arms and legs where I've had different sensations such as fizzing my thighs and legs this feeling like the like fizz and hair being dragged over the surface of my skin and even in my mouth wow and then someone holding my finger red toes that have felt like arthritis not that I've ever had that before so blue fingers after a walk and I noticed my hand was cold and I looked down there was no it didn't look like there was any color like any blood in my fingers so I had to run it under a tap Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We gradually increased our list of symptoms each week as people reported them. And we always allowed, when we gave people the symptoms, to put in other. And this allowed us to pick up, firstly, the loss of smell and add that to our, our database. We also added skin rashes, which is the other really strong predictor of positivity and the other one that we've asked the government to add to their list of uh, key symptoms because it's so linked to a positive swab test. That is, it's just such an odd one. You know, if you guys didn't have this data, why would you think that that was COVID? You would think you got a, a touch of eczema. Yeah, and, and there are many stories, including some of my medical colleagues who went to uh, A&E departments or you know, tried to get a swab test and were told there's no way, it's nothing to do with COVID. You know, COVID's like flu. Rash is not part of that. You've got something else. Wow. It's kind of weird because it it's, can either affect the immune system, like an allergic reaction very rapidly, or it, the ones in the toes and the fingers, um, these really odd things can occur weeks or months after the initial infection. 
and we think the virus is still lurking in the blood vessels or just under the skin and so re-emerges a bit like shingles and chicken pox and things like this or herpes simplex. So, and it seems the body can't, in those people, get rid of it quickly. And that's what's causing this mm. immune irritation. How, how many of those symptoms that you guys started detecting did the government add to the official list? Uh, one. It took them about seven weeks from when we first sent them the draft of our paper showing that loss of smell was by far the strongest single predictor of a positive swab test. They delayed that because they said it wasn't important, but um, I think it was just their conservatism. And it turned out that about 16 17% of people had loss of smell, but didn't have the other two fever or chest symptoms. They're the really dangerous ones. And so it was very frustrating to not be listened to. And Monique... Have you encountered people who sort of doubted your account, who didn't believe you, who you would tell them that these things were happening to you and they were like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not actually that? Absolutely, yes. I have spoken to many people who have doubted whether I've been ill from COVID-19 or if I'm still ill. I completely, in some ways, don't blame those people because... Like I never had a test at the beginning of the illness to say that I had COVID-19 and that was something I wanted so much. And other people I knew that had been ill from COVID seemed to be getting better. I thought, what is wrong with my body? Is it my mind? Am I, is this psychosomatic? I, I got very confused. And so I wasn't surprised why other people were confused Logging her symptoms on the COVID symptom app daily helped Monique anchor and process what she was going through. The app even got her started keeping a journal of her symptoms. So I thought it would be nice to bring Monique and Tim together and see if she had any lingering questions she wanted to ask him. I'm letting uh, Monique in now. Uh, is my, cam my camera on or off? It is on at the moment, isn't it? Hello, Tim. Thank you so much for your time. I feel really overwhelmed talking to you. Don't be. That's uh, you're just you're one of the you're one of the creators of the app, so we couldn't do it without you either. Well, thank you. Is it okay for me to ask you some questions? Please do. Yeah. Brilliant. My first question is that certain people like me who've been ill from a suspected infection of COVID nineteen have failed to show antibodies, and I was wondering what you think about this and why you think this has happened. So it's very common, and so you shouldn't be feel disappointed. As some people feel very disappointed and cheated, they don't get their antibody positive test. But colleagues of mine at King's did a study of several hundred people who got COVID in the hospital, and they found that only about half of them developed antibodies. So depending on when the test was done, I don't know how many weeks after was it done? Nine and a half. Nine and a half weeks. So it's likely you... You either had a weak antibody response, which was fading. So it's possible it came up at a month and then by nine weeks, we do see some people's fading away. Or it's possible you, you had a different response to it because antibodies measure B cells and it could have been your T cells were doing the work in fighting the virus. So 
we don't know which is the better one, but both seem to work. I had COVID. Um, I, I had a sort of puny antibody response. It went up a bit, but not very much. And I suspect my T cells were doing most of the work. We're getting a feeling that people with strong antibodies do to be the ones with long COVID, but you might be the exception. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because still the reinfection rate is fairly low. Very few cases have been reported. And that doesn't seem to be dependent on whether you had the antibodies or not. I see. That's really interesting. Thank you so much. Um, I think at the time it was a surprise and then it led to some conversations about people questioning whether I had fallen ill from COVID at all. So it's obviously changed a bit since then. The next question was, what do you think should be done in terms of public testing? I think we need more of it. We need it, the results quicker and we need people tested more often and um, we need to be more mobilised like other countries. Uh, I, I would like to see GPs being involved, for example, that it isn't quite so centralised, that there are ways to go locally to get tested because we look like we're moving towards a, a saliva test which uh, would be very easy for any you know, local healthcare to pick up and send to a central laboratory. And I've been working with a company for the last four months that's had these tests but has struggled because of bureaucracy to get them on the market that can give you a result in 20 minutes. So I think that's, wow. definitely, that's definitely the future. Thanks so yep. much, that's it. <laughs> so it's brilliant to get to speak. Um, I hope you have a nice day, take care. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing my comic character. (laughs) Consider it done. So, Monique, how are you doing now? I am unwell. I have various physical symptoms, but having said that, there are positives. I'm grateful to be able to, once a day, I go out for about a 10 to 15 minute walk. And I'm so happy for that. It brings me, I love walking. So my family helped me with preparing food and it's a quiet life. I'm curious, is is recovery, that idea of recovery, is that still a useful concept for you? Or how do you think about it now? It's an ambiguous term to me now. I think that I heard of a phrase called put recovery in the bin. After reading about that theory, it just made me think that it's important things like rest, eating regularly, paying attention to diet, just following these things of self-care and not like overdo it. I am capable of doing a lot, you know, and I think that's what I hope the comic shows is that if anyone else feels the same way I do, that I am still capable of doing things. It's just that it requires a bit more flexibility now around how the body, my body's feeling and kind of just everyday attention to just seeing how I go because symptoms keep changing. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times. Our guests were the artist Monique Jackson and Professor Tim Spector. Today's episode was produced and reported by Asia Fuchs 
The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. You can download the Zoe COVID Symptom Study app wherever you get your apps. Just search for Zoe or go to covid.joinzoe.com. And you can find Monique's comic about living with the long-term effects of COVID on Instagram. Just search for underscore Corona Diary. If you have a minute, please do leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and now we're also available on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio in the App Store. Have a lovely weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.